0: Welcome to Punta Vista. I am Theo, and I am here in a cave approximately three million years BA. That's before Avatar. (laughs) I've got a lovely little rock in my horrible, almost human paws, and when I look at it, I can see the face of a man that I see when I look directly down into a stream, and that makes me feel good. Behind me, leering over me, holding a much larger and pointier rock above his head menacingly in both hands, it's Ben. How are you, buddy? Oh, I didn't know you what knew you I was here. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing,
1: I just invented a new thing uh, exercise. Jealousy. <laughs> Jealousy of <laughs> age. Jealousy conception. Going through a <laughs> and lot right aerobics. now. <laughs> <laughs> Real three foot.
0: But okay, so if I hold this rock above my head, mm-hmm. my arms will get bigger somehow. Yeah, you'll what... become extremely muscular, yes. Okay. Will I still look exactly like the man that I see when I look down into the stream?
1: Uh, yes. Well, you, you, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain. But my this to arms you. will be bigger, though, and yeah. his.
0: His arms like, will Like now, become... I'll be able to tell because my, my arms will be bigger, and his arms will still be the same size.
1: So you know how, whenever you look at the man in the stream, he's always looking back at you. Yeah, yeah. Sort, sort of
0: uh, like like a, a look of recognition. I can kind of whenever I look directly into his eyes, he's looking back at me. Yeah. Which is nice. I kind of see. I kind of see my, a lot of myself in here. How much of yourself would you say that you see in here? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to know. But uh, <laughs> we really just we invented the the concept of self yesterday. So yeah, we're still coming to terms with that. It's all <laughs> it's all quite difficult. I
1: love that rock with my entire life. I think it is an absolute delight. When you say before Avatar, by the way Yeah uh, Is this the film or the television series of the same
0: name? Uh, this would be the film, I think Sure, because that's a this crucial difference of a yeah, couple it, of years Yeah, it can get a little confusing when you come across literature um, from the period when they were using before Avatar to mean the TV series mm. You kind of do that little self-correction Yeah, it's good that the, the, the
1: uh, fucking, um, oh
0: shit, what's that? The French
1: science body that's in charge of standardising all the terms Oh, uh,
0: the... the SI, the Perverts International, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when they nailed, uh, we're definitely using the movie. That was good of them because it was very confusing before. It that. was. No one knew what the years were, and then Avatar came out and we were, we've got this sorted. Yeah. Hey, would you like to do another episode of The Theophiles?
1: Theo, I would absolutely love to do I'm an episode. I'm still not of 100% Theophiles.
0: okay with the title, but <laughs> I love the title very much. And every time I tell people about it, I get a little thrill. You can kind of see me in your mind's eye just squirming around like the horrible little worm I am. But that's what I'm picturing at most hours <laughs> of the day. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well, let's kick off. Um, ben, can we talk about Oatsy? Can we talk about what? Oatsy. <laughs> can
1: you spell that one for me?
0: Yeah. So we've got a capital O with some umlauts above. How many? Two. <laughs> okay. Standard, standard yep. pair. Standard form. Yeah. Uh, T-Z-I Uzi? Uzi Yeah, I'd love to talk about Uzi Uzi. Ben, we're going to have a great time Uzi was found on 19th of September 1991 by two German tourists At an elevation of 3,210 metres on the east ridge of Finitzbietze In the Uzi Alps on the Austrian-Italian border The tourists Helmut and Erika Simon Mm-hmm. We're walking off the path between the mo- mountain passes. Who's and uh-huh. tisen, <laughs> Mm-hmm. i uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just look. I'm just reading them as they're spelt. <laughs> That's the beauty of the German language yeah. is you can do that. <laughs> it's completely phonetic. Uh, they believed that the body was of a recently deceased mountaineer. Uh, The next day, a mountained gendarme and the keeper Mm. of the nearby Silminuhut first attempted to remove the body. Which was frozen in ice below the torso using a pneumatic drill and ice axes, uh, but they had to give up due to bad weather. The body was semi-officially extracted on the twenty-second of September and officially salvaged the next day. I don't, I don't know what Are these distinction legal they're making. Distinctions? I do not know, but we do get into the legalities of this by the end. <laughs> all right, so all right. <laughs> um, it was transported to the office of the medical examiner in Innsbruck. Um, together with the objects found on the twenty fourth of September, the find was examined there by archaeologist Conrad Spindler of the University of Innsbruck, who dated the find to be about four thousand years old, based like on a... the typology of the axe among the retrieved objects. Not very recent then not very recent <laughs> no, no, but we 'll kind of get into why they thought this was the case. <laughs> so- He's wearing a very stylish modern jacket. <laughs> Throw them off.
1: <laughs>
0: His man's wearing <laughs> Just through parallel processes, he managed to invent the jacket, the the road warrior jacket. It's like,
1: have you seen those, uh It'd be like photos of Victorian people wearing like freakishly modern looking sunglasses yeah. or whatever. Yeah. you are just like, oh, that guy's far too cool to be from the past. Are you sure?
0: <laughs> um, but for, okay, so. I, I love Utsi. I think from my mind, it is the single most interesting corpse ever found. Wow, that is a huge claim. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they've taken it, they examined it, measured it, x-rayed it, dated it. Tissues and intestinal contents have been examined microscopically, as have the items being found with the body. Um, in August 2004, frozen bodies of three Austro-Hungarian soldiers... Killed during the Battle of uh, San Mateo in 1918 Was found on the um, mountain of uh, Punta San Mateo in Trentino One body was sent to a museum in the hope that research on how the environment affected its preservation Would help unravel Utzi's past um, So if, you've, if you look at a photo of, of how he was discovered He's basically like half a body sticking out of ice they found him just completely frozen. He looks mummified, but still recognisably human for something mm-hmm. that was killed out in the open um, and and left to the elements, um, effectively frozen into a glacier. Right. So this is why he's so incredible. That I think, um, pretty much straight away, we don't quite know the the chronology of it, but he's frozen into a, in place. And left there for thousands of years Until this glacier retreated
1: He was like snap frozen Yeah Like some sort of
0: microwave dinner <laughs> Okay well if you look at him He, he does look like a microwave <laughs> dinner um, As well So um, just just type in Ootsie <laughs> Into your browser Into Go.
1: I'm going to get a kick out of you saying Ootsie Every Ootsie. single time So even if all else about this story fails to amuse me Know that you have that <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, at the Treaty of Saint Germain <laughs> in Ley sorry, are you just looking at his horrible microwave dinner body? I'm looking at the reconstructions of him. Oh, we'll get into that too. Uh, and he is—he's <laughs> got a body
1: that will not quit. Uh, he looks like he is Uzi made is of slamming. You know how uh, in the first? Oh, you've. You've not seen the Hellraiser movies, have you? No, I've seen the first one, yeah. Oh well in I the first Hellraiser it. movie how the guy's gradually getting all of his components back yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. muscles and blood at one point. Yeah. It's like if you towed that guy dry.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, so I'm just in the image results, you know how it like it'll truncate the headline yeah. that the image is from. It's just Utsi the Iceman has been 3D printed. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> do not
0: 3d print <laughs> it's, it's, it's extremely <laughs> it's, it's very disrespectful very disrespectful how would you feel if mm-hmm. someone 3d printed you mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i know what you're thinking prehistoric austrian man but <laughs> how racist was he <laughs> no no well okay so but at the treaty of saint germain on lay in 1919 the border between north and south tyrol was defined as the watershed of the rivers inn and Etz, near tisenjusch the glacier, which has since retreated, uh, complicated establishing the watershed And the border was drawn too far north So although Uzi's find site drains to the Austrian side Surveys in October 1991 showed that the body had been located 92.56 metres inside Italian territory Oh no Prehistoric <laughs> Italian <laughs> Can I just say, hey. mamma mia Mamma mia I'm anthropological over here <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I just love. Like that's a great dispute to have. He's like, oh, oh that's hey, hey. that's our ice man, actually.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's our ice
1: man. I'm going to need you to find your own ice man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for digging him out. We'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get him a nice plate of spaghetti, <laughs> warm him up, see how he's doing. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, so the, the province of South Tyrol claimed property rights but agreed to let Innsbruck University finish its scientific examinations. Uh, since 1998, it has been on display. It's very disrespectful. He's a man. He, he, him. Yeah. He. he has a name, and his name is Utsi. Utsi? <laughs> uh, he's been on display at South Tyrol Museum of Archaeology in Bolzano, the capital of South Tyrol. All right. Let's check out that body. I would love to check out that body. Uh, so by current estimates, at the time of his death, he was 160 centimetres tall, weighed about 50 kilograms, was about 45 years of age. Mm. So just like me. Uh, when his body was found, <laughs> it weighed only 13 and a half kilos. Because the body What's was covered... <laughs> He's doing that intermittent fasting, isn't he? <laughs> uh, because the body was covered in ice shortly after his death, it only partially deteriorated... In initial reports claimed that his penis And most of his scrotum were missing But this was later shown to be unfounded <laughs> I'm sorry? He's got that dick and balls still
1: Later shown to be unfounded <laughs> Like someone was like Hey, uh, check if he's got a dick and balls <laughs> Nope <laughs> and like it, Five years later
0: Like it went out on TMZ was, or something
1: <laughs> Yeah, it was just a rumour It was a rumour that Uzi has no dick and balls We went straight to the source <laughs> uh, it's still there. Hello. It's me, Ben, uh, from this podcast. Merriam Webster defines a podcast as a program made available in digital format for automatic download over the internet, and that simply could not be more true. If you like what we do and want more of this podcast made available to you in digital format for automatic download over the internet, simply go to patreoncom bonavista and hit the enormous red button that says subscribe five us dollars a month you get access to our weekly bonus episodes our entire archive of bonus episodes our exclusive discord server and an rss feed of both bonus episodes and free episodes that doesn't have these ads in them that sweet sweet subscriber cash allows me to do this show full time without having to get a real job and frankly that whips to me the other guys also get some money or whatever
0: but i don't really care anyway check that out if it sounds good to you love you So, analysis of pollen, dust, grains, and the isotopic composition of his tooth enamel indicated that he spent his childhood near the present village of Feldthurns, north of Bolzano, but later went to live in valleys about 50 kilometres farther north.
1: Wait, so how did they identify that?
0: Um, Analysis of pollen, dust grains, and the isotopic composition of his tooth enamel. That is fucking amazing. Yeah, well, we've got a lot more of that coming.
1: Good lord. Wait, so the isotomic composition... Are they talking about radiation levels? I would
0: assume that it's it's due to the, the I guess, calcium in your teeth would have a certain um, like species of isotope in it. That that would be my guess.
1: All right. And you seem like you know more about this than I do. Mm, I don't, but I
0: said it quite confidently. <laughs> so. Look at your eyes. Very compelling. Yeah. It's new meds. Um, so... In 2009 a CAT scan revealed that it, the stomach had shifted upward to where his lower lung area would normally be mm. You don't want that You don't That's, that's oh. where that's I, where I do my breathing Another thing <laughs> I also can't breathe <laughs> um, Analysis of the contents re- revealed the partly digested remains of Ibex meat <laughs> um, con- And confirmed by DNA analysis suggesting he had a meal less than two hours before his death Oh that's nice Wheat grains were also found um, Is believed that Utsi most likely had a few slices of a dried fatty meat, probably bacon. Mm. So he was Austrian then. <laughs> uh, which, which came from a wild goat in South Tyrol. Um, analysis of Utsi's intestinal contents showed two meals. The last one consumed about eight hours before his death. One of chamois meat, so that's a goat. It's kind of like a large, sort of like an antelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other of red deer and herb bread both which was eaten with roots and fruits right so this just from the stomach we can tell like a gigantic amount about like what people in that area of that time hmm. ate did like just just from what he had in his stomach also it's incredible like,
1: so many different like four so different many diff- meats
0: so many different things right like i imagine that they just have one thing to eat and that that's it like yeah. then they just try not to starve they're, until they're the not next like one
1: they scarcity scarcity, scarcity they're, hunters they're like they yeah. have a larder of things going on. Well, that's on.
0: right. And they must have food that occurs over different time spans, right? So they'll eat the the meat preferentially or eat the bread over a you longer have period of Ibex time, sort breakfast. of thing. The Ibex for breakfast. for breakfast. Goat bacon for lunch. Yeah. This have... guy was living. <laughs> he was. Yeah, not anymore. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was
1: living right up until the moment where he died and was frozen into a glacier. That's right.
0: <laughs> As are we all. It's <laughs> so true. Um, the glacier's coming for all of us. <laughs> The grain also eaten with both meals was a highly processed einkorn wheat brand. Uh, einkorn, sorry, uh, quite possibly eaten in the form of bread in the proximity of the body, and thus possibly originating from the iceman's provisions. Chaff and grains of einkorn and barley, and the seeds of flax and poppy were discovered, as well as kernels of sloes, which are small fruits from the blackthorn tree, and various seeds of berries growing in the wild. Um, so hair analysis was used to examine his diet from several months before. Pollen in the first—they are mining every part of this man. Scientists, oh, um, pollen in the first meal showed that he'd been—it con- had been consumed in a mid-altitude conifer forest, <laughs> <Okay>. and other <laughs> pollens getting getting very heady po- uh, conifer <laughs> back palate taste. It's coniferous, mm. <laughs> uh, and other pollens indicated the presence of wheat and legumes, which may have been domesticated crops. Uh, pollen grains of hop hornbeam were also discovered. This guy's just eating everything. He's <laughs> eating his way across Italy. Or he just had
1: like a couple of packets of jerky and a fruit and nut trail mix on him. Hopped out of the shops. So he got those like weird just brands Just one scoop that aren't of everything, please.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so the pollen was well preserved with the cells inside remaining intact, indicating that it had been fresh at the time of Utsi's death, uh, which places the event in spring or early summer. Einkorn wheat is harvested in the late summer and slows in the autumn which so it must have been stored from the previous year Oh Which is fun. Yeah Um, so high levels of both copper and arsenic were found in his hair Uh, This along with Utsi's copper axe blade, which is 99.7% pure copper Led scientists to speculate that Utsi was involved in copper smelting.
1: Hmm. All right
0: Uh, smart, man um So, by examining the proportions of his tibia, femur, and pelvis, Christopher Ruff, uh, uh, any rough hands in in the the audience? (laughs) People at home listening to this going, (laughs) Woo! That's (laughs) my my boy. my guy. There Uh, he is. (laughs) So it indicates that Utsi's lifestyle included long walks over hilly terrain. This degree of mobility is not characteristic of other Copper Age Europeans. So Ruff proposes that this may indicate that Utsi was a high-altitude shepherd. And also a coppersmith.
1: This is also quite terrifying to me because I'm thinking about, like... You know at the end of AI, the weird robots that thaw yeah. out the child Yeah. Uh, I'm picturing those guys finding my body and being like <laughs> Alright, from looking at his bones, we can tell he was recumbent 90% of the day Yeah. Looking at his, his stomach His dick didn't work <laughs> it was Possibly the softest dick in human history uh, He largely just ate weird chips that he bought from the Asian yeah. <laughs> It Seems he had a lethal amount of THC in his bloodstream Completely
0: hollow bones Yeah <laughs>
1: It looks like he
0: drank 560 litres of beer a day. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, all right, so using 3D scanning technology, a facial reconstruction has been created for the South Tyrol Museum of Archaeology. Uh, it shows Utsi looking old for his 45 years with deep-set brown eyes, beard, a furrowed face, and sunken cheeks. He looks good. He is depicted looking tired and ungroomed. I think he looks hot as hell. Cool slam on Utsi. <laughs>
1: He's sort of like... Uh... If Radagrass the Brown did, like, elderly male modelling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it is.
1: <laughs> like, he's a little ripped, right? Am I, am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, You're not wrong. Um. <laughs> look at that look that he's given the camera. Although, now when you zoom in on his face. <laughs> <laughs> get close to the mouth region, it's not quite so enticing, but
0: he looks good. So, um, you want to hear what he was, what he was wearing this season? I would and love who to. he was wearing <laughs> so he wore a cloak of woven grass a coat a belt a pair of leggings a loincloth and shoes all made of leather of different skins so you can actually look up there's a there's a picture of the of the shoe that's sort of being reconstructed and it's it's laced together it's got it's held oh. together with like straps of uh, like thin straps of leather mm-hmm. it's got laces um it it looks all the world like a like a modern kind of shoe, as best you could with, you know, pulling leather together, right? Yeah, without underpaying Which Indonesian children to make them. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. Like the amount of craft that goes into everything that this guy is wearing is is mind boggling to think of to try and work out how this would come together in a sort of. Where's he getting the design pattern from? <laughs> That's right. Um, so he wore a bearskin cap, leather, leather chin strap. To keep his hat on, <laughs> it's very smart, clever. Yeah, uh, the shoes were waterproof and wide, seemingly designed for walking across the snow. They were constructed using a bearskin for the soles, which again, like, where are you getting a bearskin from? Deer hide for the top panels, and a netting made of tree bark. Soft grass went around the foot and in the shoe and functioned like modern socks. Oh my god, the coat. Uh, belt, leggings, and loincloth were constructed of vertical strips of leather sewn together with sinew. His belt had a pouch sewn to it that had a, con- a cache of useful items. A scraper, a drill, flint, flake, bone awl, and a dried fungus. What was that fungus for? Well, that's for wrong. That's for <laughs> <laughs> um, so the shoes are being reproduced by a Czech academic who said that because the shoes are actually quite complex and convinced that even 5,300 years ago, that's B.A., um, people had the equivalent of a cobbler who made shoes for other people. Uh, the Specialization. Re- yeah. Yeah. Um, the reproductions were found to constitute such excellent footwear that it was reported that a Czech company offered to purchase the rights to sell them. <laughs> I feel like that shoe
1: should be in the public domain. Right. To, to my mind That shoe belongs in a museum That shoe does belong in a museum But also, if you want to make that shoe You should just be able to Google A print pattern for yeah, Making Uzi's shoes I
0: feel like the Ootsie patent rights Would have expired by now Although, knowing Disney <laughs> God damn it they keep Refreezing additional Iceman
1: every 50 years So like, oh no, 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 no We've maintained the copyright on the Iceman <laughs>
0: All right, um, so a more recent hypothesis by British archaeologist Jackie Wood says that Utsi's shoes were actually the upper part of snowshoes. According to this theory, the item currently interpreted as part of his backpack is actually the wood frame and netting of one snowshoe and animal hide to cover the face. Um, the leather loincloth and hide coat were made from sheepskin. Genetic analysis showed that the sheep species was nearer to modern domestic European sheep than to wild sheep. Um, The items were made from the skins of at least four different animals Part of the coat was made from domesticated goat Belonging to a mitochondrial haplogroup that inhabits central Europe today Uh, The coat was made from several animals from two different species And was stitched together with hides available at the time The leggings were made from domesticated goat leather A similar set of 6,500 year old BA leggings discovered in Switzerland were made from goat leather, which may indicate that goat leather was specifically chosen. Um, shoelaces were made from the European genetic population of cattle. Um, the quiver was made from wild roe deer. Uh, the fur hat was made from a genetic lineage of brown bear, which lives in the region today. And um, Writing in the journal Scientific Reports, researchers from Ireland and Italy reported their analysis of his clothing's mitochondrial DNA, which was extracted from nine fragments of six of his garments, including his loincloth and fur cap. So he also had a whole bunch of shit with him, right? Which, again, super cool for actually understanding Mm -hmm. what was going on, what what the... What was his everyday carry? (laughs) So, So he's laying it out. Uh, He's showing all that kit Um, He's got a copper axe With a U-handle A chert-bladed knife With an ash handle And a quiver of 14 arrows With viburnum and dogwood shafts So they're sort of like Little shrubby sort of Sort of things. Two of the arrows which were broken were tipped with flint and had fletching, so stabilizing Mm, fins mm -hmm. on them. Very cool. Uh, While the other 12 were unfinished and untipped. The arrows were found in a quiver with what was presumed to be a bowstring, an unidentified tool, and an antler tool which might have been used for sharpening his arrow points. There was also an unfinished U longbow that was 1.82 meters long.
1: Holy moly. How tall was he again?
0: 150 centimeters. So Jesus this thing is fucking Christ. Yeah, is like one and a half times his height. He's just carrying around this this bow. That's wild. Um. So he also had berries, two birch bark baskets, two species of polypore mushrooms with leather strings through them. So he's just carrying around mushrooms with like a string through them to keep them. That is amazing. Um. One of these, the birch fungus, is known to have anthelmintic properties, which is used for medicinal purposes. The other was a kind of tinder fungus, uh, included with what appeared to be a complex fire-lighting kit. The kit featured pieces of over of over a dozen different plants, in addition to flint and pyrite for creating sparks. Um, so his, his copper axe is super cool. Uh, the haft is 60 centimeters long and made from carefully worked yew, with a right-angle crook at the shoulder leading to the blade. Uh, the nine and a half centimeter long axe that's three point seven inches is made of almost pure copper produced from a combination of casting, cold forging, polishing, and sharpening. Um so again, like I just I the that they have all of these techniques coming yeah. together in one place, right? Like I always thought of of um sort of the the Copper Age stuff as being quite localized, you know, I think but there's, there's clearly, like, a lot of crafts, a lot of specializations emerging, like, all in the one place, all at the same time. All available to this one fucking guy. All available guy. to this one dude. Yeah. Right? Who's just, like, walking around with all of this shit that he's collected over his 45 years of, you know, prehistoric life. It's very cool. Um So despite the fact that copper ore sources in the Alpines were known to have been exploited at the time, a study indicated that the copper in the axe came from southern Tuscany, which is, you know, that's a decent hike. Um, It was led into the forked end of the crook and fixed there using birch tar and light leather lashing. The blade part of the head extends out of the lashing and shows clear signs of having been used to chop and cut. At the time, such an axe would have been a valuable possession, important both as a tool and as a status symbol for the bearer. All right, but that's enough of his shit. What about him himself? Mm-hmm. Why don't we go digging into what really made Ootsie tick? Let's get inside Ootsie. Let's let's really get up there. Rearrange Ootsie's guts. <laughs> <laughs> Hit Ootsie's back walls. Oh. All right, so we've uh, sequenced his genome, which is mm-hmm. uh, cool, I guess. Yep. Uh, Which is why of course We have that island in Costa Rica With Ootsie World Ootsie. on it <laughs> Just stomping around 100 centimetre Like 170 centimetre Tall fences <laughs>
1: There's no way this could go wrong We've made all of the Ootsies male They can't possibly breed
0: <laughs> There's no danger
1: We had to fill in some of the gaps in his DNA With frog DNA <laughs>
0: So he can jump upwards of four meters directly in the air. <laughs> just driving through. Ootsie's just smacking against your car car window. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> as long as you've got eight or nine different kinds of berries in your pouch, he'll be, be satisfied. Oh,
1: it's like the, fucking, the T-Rex feeding thing, but it's just a single mushroom rising up on the platform. <laughs>
0: He doesn't eat it. He just puts it in his pouch for later on. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> um, all right. So, analysis of his mitochondrial DNA showed that Utsi belongs to the K1 subclade, which, you know, I mean, of course. it makes sense. But it cannot be categorized into any of the three modern branches of that subclade K1A, K1B, or K1C. The new subclade has been provisionally named K1O with umlauts for Utsi. Oh, I love that. He's got his own little subclade. Oh, he's smiling in hell right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Utsi was a chronic masturbator. (laughs) And for that sin... (laughs) It's
1: eternal damnation, but he knows that he's been recognised, so he's okay.
0: (laughs) Cum stains from his trousers were lifted from... (laughs) Indicating at least four different time spans. Calluses on the penis, which we now <laughs> know exists. <laughs> this is the most wanked dick in history. <laughs> All right. Um. So a multiplex assay study was able to confirm that Iceman's empty DNA... Uh, it belongs to a previously unknown european mt DNA clade so it's lowercase mt I I didn't look that one up mm. um, with a very limited distribution among modern data sets and so he's most closely related to southern Europeans, especially to geographically isolated populations like Corsicans and Sardinians <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yep. laughs> um DNA analysis also showed him at high risk of atherosclerosis and lactose intolerance. This, oh. a, this is an Utsie with diarrhea. <laughs> it's a huge day for the people at university where they're like, we did it. We found one that has
1: IBS. We found, we found Lucy's ancestor. That's everything I know about Lucy. Yeah. Uh, Italian. <laughs> Can't drink milk.
0: Those are the two things we know. Um,. So, uh, he also had the DNA sequence of Borrelia burgdorferi, uh, possibly making him the earliest known human with Lyme disease. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus Christ. Or possibly
0: just the earliest known human to claim he has Lyme disease. Who knows? <laughs> uh, no one told him you're supposed to take
1: the whole tick out. You can't just <laughs> leave the head in there.
0: Um, a later analysis suggested the sequence may have been a different uh, species of Borrelia. So, we don't know. Mm um in october 2013 it was reported that 19 modern tullian man uh men were descendants of uzi oh my god yeah yeah like again this is super wild to me right that we can pick one person who who some ice fell on him in a you know a mountain he tripped on his dick snow climbing in italian bavaria yeah and we can go well, we can find 19 people that you know were related to him We can open the phone book and we can say, Hey, you, Spinelli. (laughs) We found your fucking great, 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 great grandpa. Um, So scientists from the Institute of Legal Medicine at Innsbruck um, University. Legal Medicine? Yeah, (laughs) Institute of... It's perfectly legal. (laughs) The Institute of Illegal Medicine? Horrible (laughs) Horrible place. (laughs) Very bad. That's the place that uh, old mate goes to in Jacob's Ladder. (laughs) Just pushing trolleys around and getting caught up on limbs <laughs> That place sucks It's not good um, So they analyzed the DNA of over 3,700 male blood donors And found 19 who shared a particular genetic mutation With the 5,300 year old man um, So in 2012 scientists announced the discovery That Utsi still had intact blood cells So these are the oldest complete human blood cells ever identified Oh my god um, in most bodies this old, the blood cells are either shrunken or mere remnants, but Utsis have the same dimensions as living red blood cells and resembled a modern-day sample. Super cool. That's so nuts. Um, so, this brings us to, I guess, the end of Utzi's journey. <laughs>
1: I feel like the end of his journey was about 3,000 years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, so the cause of death remains uncertain until 10 years after the discovery of the body It was initially believed that Utsi died of exposure during a winter storm Later it was speculated that Utsi might have been a victim of a ritual sacrifice Perhaps for being a chieftain, which, cool um, But this explanation was inspired by theories previously advanced for the first millennium BCE bodies um, Recovered from peat bogs such as the Tollund Man and the Lindo Man Um, Go and check out those other classic men
1: (laughs) Some of the iconic men Some of the
0: men we know and love Um, So in 2001, x-rays and a CT scan revealed that Uzi had an arrowhead lodged in his left shoulder when he died And a matching small tear on his coat (gasps) The discovery of the Arrowhead prompted researchers to theorise Utsi died of blood loss from the wound, which would probably have been fatal even if modern medical techniques had been available. And they weren't. <laughs> they really weren't. No. This guy just oh, had to kill could like have saved him. 19 weasels and saw himself a new skin. If we had the technology from the <laughs> Michael Crichton book timeline, mm-hmm. we could have saved him. Alas. Um, Further research found that the arrow's shaft had been removed before death and close examination of the body found bruises and cuts to the hands, wrist and chest and cerebral trauma indicative of a blow to the head. One of the cuts was at the base of his thumb that reached down to the bone but had no time to heal before his death. Um, So currently it's believed that Utsi bled to death after the arrow shattered the scapula and damaged nerves and blood vessels before lodging near the lung. Which, again, is where his stomach is now. <laughs> yep. So what you're saying to me is that this was murder most foul. Murder most foul, but I think... Um, I, I really feel that this is some form of, of last stand. The last stand of mm. Um Because recent DNA analyses c- claim that they revealed traces of blood from at least four other people on his gear. Oh, He got boromered. Yeah, one from his knife. Two from a single arrowhead and fourth from his coat. Interpretations of these findings were that Uzi killed two people with the same arrow and was able to retrieve it on both occasions, and the blood on his coat was from a wounded comrade he may have carried over his back. Oh my god. This, this dude is Boromiring it this all over incredible. northern Tyrol. Oh. Boromir of Italian Bavaria. We simply must stand this man. Uh. Uzi's posture in death, frozen body, face down, left arm bent across the chest, could support a theory that before death occurred and rigor mortis set in, the Iceman was turned on his stomach in the effort to remove the arrow shaft. By perhaps oh. a, a southern uh, Aragorn, or mm. perhaps even an Italian Aragorn. Yeah, it was a classic Italian Aragorn situation. <laughs> um, which brings us to the legal dispute fantastic so italian law <laughs> entitled the simons so this is helmut and oh, i forget her other that uh, what was her name i'll get to that um, so the italian law entitled the simons to a finder's fee from the south trillian provincial government of 25% of the value of see.
1: so you just get your iceman <laughs> assessor, iceman to come assessor in. yeah
0: he's assessed all the great iceman richard koklinski mm-hmm. And they classically, uh, they just add like 30% on top, just in case your your Iceman museum burns down and you need to claim on insurance. Yeah,
1: it's exactly how the art world works. (laughs) Uh, Your painting is worth $3 million. Mm. Your Iceman. (laughs) If anything
0: should happen to your (laughs) (laughs) Iceman. We all could stand to make a lot of money. Um, so in 1994, the authorities offered a symbolic reward of 10 million lira, which is approximately 5,200 euro, uh, which the Simons declined. Oh! Well I think they're gone for the uh, They're gone for
1: Ootsie oh, sorry, dollars no. They didn't decline it out of like a No this belongs no, to no, the no, world no, they, <laughs> They've gone fucking pay up motherfucker That's exactly right, oh, right. We, didn't I, fi- I retract... we didn't
0: find Ootsie to <laughs> Stay penniless <laughs> I'd like to retract the appreciative noise that I made <laughs> Uh, in 2003, the Simons filed a lawsuit which asked the court in Bolzano to recognize their role in Uzi's discovery and declare them his official discoverers. The court decided in the Simons' favor in November 2003. At the end of December that year, the Simons announced that they were seeking a US $300,000 as their fee. Kind of an Uzi finder's fee.
1: Yeah. I... Like, they didn't find him on purpose. They didn't go...
0: You don't know that.
1: It's time to go up on the mountain and find Utsi the Iceman.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope we find him today. Wow. <laughs> but really, what an attitude to have, though. Waking up every morning with the thought that you might you might just find Utsi the Iceman. You sit there eating your cornflakes, being like, today's <laughs> the, the, day. the day.
1: Today's the day I find, for the first time, <laughs> Utsi the Iceman. And I believe that is the plot of the movie about the secret that's been released at the moment. I think that's
0: more or less it. Um, so the uh, provincial government decided to appeal. In addition, two people came forward to claim that they were part of the same mountaineering party that came across Utsi, uh, And this is wild. Uh, I want- <laughs> um, all right, so Magdalena Moha jark a retired Slovenian climber Who alleged that she discovered the corpse First after falling into a crevice mm-hmm. Hey that looks like Utsi <laughs> the Iceman
1: <laughs> Who of my guess hasn't been so distracted By
0: spotting oh Utsi my, the Utsi Iceman likes. That we slip into a crevice <laughs> Oh holy fuck <laughs> it's, it's shortly after Returning to a mountain hut Guys you are not going to believe this I <laughs> I fell into a crevice immediately after discovering Wootsy the Iceman.
1: People <laughs> just like completing a sentence. You guys I found Wootsy the, the Iceman, Iceman. <laughs> you found him. <laughs>
0: uh, yes, that was a very good guess. <laughs> um so after returning to the mountain hut, asked Helmut Simon to f- take photographs of Utsi. She cited Reinhold uh, Messner, who is also present in the mountain hut, as the witness to this. Um, Sandra Nemeth from Switzerland, who contended that she was she found the corpse before Helmut and Erica Simon, and that she spat on Utsi to make sure her DNA would be found on the body later. That is disrespectful. It's
1: rude. You didn't have like a bit Extremely. of paper on you. You couldn't just be like leave well, this here.
0: <laughs> oh my god. You could just crack off a finger or something and That's some weirdly like extreme lateral thinking. Yeah. So she later asked for a DNA test on the remains, but experts believed that there was little chance of finding any trace. Um, on the 29th of September 2008, it was announced that the provincial government and Mrs. Simons um, had reached a settlement of the dispute under which she would receive €150,000 in recognition of Utsi's discovery by her and her late husband and the tourist income that it attracts.
1: Helmet didn't live to see,
0: to see the Utsi money come in? No, didn't see the Utsi money or, I guess, the just the... The appreciation Of finding Uzi. The recognition The recognition of finding Uzi the Iceman
1: I've always said that Finding Uzi the Iceman Is it's own reward <laughs> <laughs> Who needs 150,000 euro When you could be drunk At god, a bar you'd be on cloud
0: 9 when you Oh
1: god time you're out in public You'd never pay You'd never pay for a beer again You'd walk up
0: You'd just like elbow like, something oh, like, I haven't hey. been this thirsty Since the time I discovered Uzi the Iceman <laughs> Oh, you're Eric's <laughs> son. <laughs> I should have known. Oh, it's cold in here. That reminds me. <laughs> uh,
1: I tell you what, that bartender sure looks a, looks a lot like Uzi the Iceman. <laughs> who I discovered,
0: by the yeah, way. Yeah, who I've seen.
1: <laughs> I saw him first, <laughs> incidentally. Well. <laughs> in a while. In a while. <laughs> yeah. Not
0: since the uruk or whatever tried to kill him. Yeah. Um... But Utsi, I think, is having the last laugh um, from his horrible little lungs, Uh which are also a stomach. (laughs) From the pit of his combined lung stomach. (laughs) Kind of the cloaca of the organs.
1: (laughs) Why don't you just, you know, they do the same thing. They take stuff in, they push stuff out.
0: Basically the same organ.
1: I also think that's what the heart does.
0: And those are all the organs that I can think of. (laughs) Whatever the kidney does, probably the same. So, influenced by the curse of the pharaohs Mm. and the media theme of cursed mummies, claims have been made that Utsi is cursed. (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The allegation revolves around the deaths of several people connected to the discovery, recovery, and subsequent examination of Utsi. It is alleged that they have died under mysterious circumstances Uh These people include co-discoverer Helmut Simon and Conrad Spindler The first examiner of the mummy in Austria in 1991 To date the deaths of seven people Of which four were accidental Have been attributed to the alleged curse in reality, hundreds of people were involved with the recovery of Utsi and are still involved in studying the body and artefacts found. You cannot swing a cat <laughs> in the Utsi examination room. <laughs> About hitting a live person who has examined
1: Utsi the ice <laughs> man?
0: It's been running on Broadway for 12 years. Sold out crowds. Uh, the fact that a small percentage of them have died over the years has not been shown to be statistically significant. <sighs> That's the tale of Utsie the Iceman. Can I can I add a little postscript to this story? Um
1: What I'm going to do is something I would normally never do. I'm going to read some tweets for you. Uh, these are tweets from uh, Sydney comedian and radio producer Max Laverne. Oh, beautiful at Max. Prawn underscore meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this first one dated January 28th, 2019. Utsie the Iceman died because he threw his back out making that <sighs> ass clap. <laughs> Uh, This is another tweet Also from January 28th,
0: 2019 It's on a real Real Utsi
1: bender (laughs) An Utsi on the brain Uh, I'm so fucking sick of people Talking about no talent celebrities Like Utsi the Iceman (laughs) Were only famous for being mummified On the Austrian-Italian border around 5000 years ago Uh, Okay,
0: full disclosure I think I know about Utsi the Iceman Because of Max Laverne's tweets I think I might also as well (laughs) Uh, May 24th this year A lot of people
1: credit Utsi the Iceman (laughs) with getting them into Iceman (laughs) (laughs) I love that man very very much I like that pattern as well. So these are like the only tweets he's ever done about Otsy the Iceman. He did two of them on <laughs> two one day. Of he's on a roll. And then like five months later, he's like... <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm still thinking about him again. Going back to that well. <laughs> 3 a.m. Going back to the <laughs> fridge for more Utsu the Iceman jokes. Oh, Lord. So I've got a story for you. Oh, please. Now, I've done no real research here. What <laughs> okay. I've done is I've looked at an article that I've read multiple times because it's the gift that keeps on giving and I thought, what if I read it to my friend Theo? Oh,
0: beautiful. Recontextualize it, if you will. Uh,
1: yes, I'll take it from the context of me reading it inside my own head. And kind of going, huh. To huh. reading it aloud on a podcast.
0: So there is a very
1: real chance you might have read this. This is an article from the New Yorker from 2014. I'm not going to tell you what the title of the article Uh, I
0: don't want to give away the
1: game but I believe the first word you will know immediately whether you have read this article or not Mm -hmm. here we go Shingy believes in storytelling
0: (laughs) you read this one oh look I uh, I don't know let's find out together. okay more
1: story less telling a story can be anything Text or image, six seconds or thirteen hours. According to Shane. So Shingy, true. Yeah. It's
0: a story can be anything. Yeah. But not five seconds. No. It's gotta be six. That's just the it has to it has to surpass the amount of time that it takes for you to stop feeling time as the present mm. and to distinguish it as, as past and future, which is between three and eight seconds, I think. Yeah. Six Yeah Six to eight Any, Anything shorter than that is just a thing
1: If you've not done a full length Vine It's not a story It's
0: not a story Vine, classically a story
1: <laughs> Vine, also still a relevant current cultural touchpoint uh, According to Shingy We are no longer living in the age of information It's the age of social And social is all about conversations So true How does Shingy know? Because he is a digital prophet Literally his business card has a microchip embedded in it, and it reads, Digital Profit, AOL. It How would anyone know that? I think it's written on there. It's not on the okay. microchip. I think the microchip is incidental. Yeah, it's just I got, like,
0: the microchip's just got, like, a DivX of uh, <laughs> it's the actually, second Lord of the Rings It's got a WinRAR install on there, which he, can be very useful if very, you need that. Very useful. It's got um, Lero.exe on it. <laughs> It also says David
1: Shing, but unless you knew him when he was a kid in Australia, you should just call him Shingy,
0: which is also his Twitter handle. I'm not going to do that. And his URL. If I meet David Shing, I'm going to say, hello, David. Hi, David. Or even Mr. Shing. Mr.
1: Shing. AOL pays him a six-figure salary for Uh. doing what exactly? Watching the future take shape across the vast
0: online landscape. Yeah, I do that every day. Every single, every God single day. Every single day. And I'm only paid possibly five figures.
1: <laughs> I fly all for around a different the world reason. and go to different conferences, so you don't do that.
0: No, that's, that's true. No I'm, one does that at I'm, the moment. I'm classically groundbound. <laughs> Real ground lubber. Last month, he was in Singapore, Brazil,
1: and Germany. I listen to where media is headed and figure out how our brands can win in that environment. In 2002, AOL had more than 25 million subscribers. It now has fewer than two and a half million. Shingy calls it a, quote, company in transition. There is no typical day for me, Shingy, who is 44, said, which, if you think about it, means that today is pretty
0: typical. That's extremely aggravating. That's the worst. <laughs> also, oh, it's a
1: paradox. You have a fucking typical day. Shut the fuck up. He arrived at AOL headquarters in the village wearing black nail polish and high-top sneakers with leather wings. His jacket, t-shirt, and pants were black and he had decorated them with wide stripes of white paint. He wears his hair up and out like Phyllis Diller or Beetlejuice. What You'd- the fuck is Phyllis Diller? Phyllis Diller. Isn't Phyllistilla Oh no, I've definitely got this wrong. I was thinking he was one of the people from the Golden Girls, but there's no way that's right. No.
0: I definitely I'm just gonna hold on to Beetlejuice if that's okay. Yep, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good touch point.
1: Uh you'd be surprised how easy it is to get it to stay like this, actually. A blow dry and then a quarter sized dab of product, Shingy explained. It's all in the cut, not the styling. He ran into a ward cleaver ish. Advertising executive named Jim Norton, my man," Shingy said, offering his trademark three-part handshake, ending oh, in a hug. Uh, handshakes have one part. One part. It's yep. the part where you shake. You shake the hand. Yeah. and then you disengage. You're done. You're done. Yep. The worst thing about how
0: do you know if you're in? How do you know if you're a part of a three-part handshake right now? How do you know? Like he's if, saying, if the handshake right now we might be in the, no no, but a handshake that you're engaging in. How do you know that it's part one of three?
1: It's true. But, I mean, this is the problem with it, right? It's very obnoxious to have this confected thing where you're like, I kind of have my own handshake that I do. Yeah. You have to teach it to people. Kind of the idea of the handshake. a sort
0: of natural, universal yeah. gesture.
1: And generally, it's it's a way of like meeting new people.
0: Yeah. And this is really just slowing down the... Pr- he must meet tens, if not hundreds of people a day. And mm. every single person he meets, he gets to part two of his fucked up handshake. <laughs> He goes. Well, hang on. Sorry. Wait, sorry. We've got to go through this. All right. So, uh, you you do this, and then all right, and then kind of teach him It seems. I feel like extremely tedious. Out. You know
1: how the uh, IKEA booklets are meant to be like cross language. Yeah. It's just like very simple. He's got one of those for the handshake. He's like, look at this. Come back to me when you've read it. Boom, bam, bam. Done. Out of there. It's Very obnoxious. Next, Shingy stopped by the office of Erica Nardini, the chief marketing officer of AOL Advertising, and handed her an iPad Mini. Wanted to show you a little brain fart I had on the plane, he said. It was a cartoon he had drawn of a bear wearing zebra print pants and a shirt covered in ones and zeros. What? So what is this for? Oh, just you wait. Love it, love it, love it, Nardini said. I'm thinking of the bears more as a
0: metaphor. A thousand percent, Chingy said. So I I have read this article, which (laughs) makes it even more maddening now that I'm listening to it again.
1: Can you imagine? There's a reason...
0: That your company is in the shitter,
1: and it's exactly yeah. this it's guy,
0: one hundred percent. Whatever is occurring right now.
1: I just imagine if you're like a third party witnessing this, like you are like a lower level employee in this business, and you watch that exchange happen, and you're just like, <laughs> "Holy fuck!"
0: Yeah, we are doomed. Yeah, this is not good. I will also say that even though you know I'm I'm a bit of a bit of a tech head, <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a tech boy. Yeah, sure. Um. I like my bits and my bytes. Yep. Classically, Wons, yeah, zeros. ones, zeros, the whole, the whole gamut. Yep. Um, I'm sticking with that pronunciation. <laughs> I'm not going to correct you. Every futurist is the most tedious person on the face of the planet. That's correct, yes. Every single one of them should be rounded up Tried under, we can try them under like the witchcraft laws for you know telling the future or whatever. Yeah, there's probably you know, some of those something still on the books. books. Yeah, exactly, and just burn them at the stake. Yeah, and that's fair. Unless- now, I, I really think that in like 2020, that's something that we can all get around. We're divided as a people, uh, as a as a world, mm. more divided than ever. And what I'm saying is that to bring us together, we can just round up everybody who has the word futurist in their LinkedIn profiles. Mm-hmm and just set fire to them we can probably take out the entrepreneurs while at it as well and the entrepreneurs the um gurus <sighs> yeah gurus anyone are gone. that's gurus a white collar
1: worker that has guru yeah in their job description on linkedin yeah you're out you're if gone.
0: you're a code ninja <laughs> oh yeah that's a that's cut off at the knees
1: rockstar developer of some kind
0: terrible you're out of there you're gone and the teen entrepreneurs <laughs> will be tried under adult law <laughs> <laughs> They deserve it, certainly.
1: Shingy is my muse, Nardini said
0: during this conversation. I, I, shingy... I, I <laughs> know too many of these people. Which
1: ones? On which end of the relationship is the person that the, you're familiar
0: with? The, the, the non-shingy entity in this relationship.
1: <laughs> Most entities on this planet, non-shingy Yeah, well you can divide them
0: into shingy and non-shingy.
1: It's not <laughs> a very useful sort of semantic knife to divide the world up into, <laughs> but you certainly can.
0: You know You, you play you're Guess at the, Who And you're yeah. just like Is it Shingy? No, no. All Well right, that no. narrows it the, down yeah. Go upstairs at the club Go to the toilet There's just one That's just got massive hair
1: You know that's the Shingy bathroom You go in there There's just no toilet There's soft music playing and We've an empty reinvented the toilet You can just sort of Put your piss or your shit anywhere Yeah it's not our problem <laughs> oh, something about like I think the complete Emptiness of Everything to do with corporate life Makes people crave yeah. Some Like they're very willing to read genius Into the actions of someone That's influencing them to be like No I'm part of something special you uh, know? 100% oh, It's very depressing Shingy is my muse Nardini said During this conversation Shingy was distracted by his phone but he looked up and smiled every few seconds.
0: Yeah, we're all there. Yep.
1: <laughs> that's how conversations work now, actually. I lean on him really heavily for the feel of what's happening in the here and now. There is something so polarizing about Shingy, but also so unifying. Yeah, it's that everyone fucking hates, hates him. him. Every single person that's ever met him that isn't some, like, coked-out executive is like... Yeah, I'd like to kill <laughs> you with a hammer. <laughs> hey, can we go to a stairwell and then can <laughs> I push you down that stairwell? <laughs> we a really great use of my time. Shingi kept moving. He's passionate about spaces, and when a space is not working, one of
0: the one of the classic dimensions,
1: <laughs> space time, temporal <laughs> dimensions, of no interest to him. When a space is not working, he reboots it. Why do people talk like this?
0: No, it's not a. We have words for like redecorating a room. Again, they've just they've they have constructed an entire culture around the. Th- the fact that they have to spend their lives like this. Yeah.
1: This is my lot. I am going to wear a fucking shirt and tie every day of my goddamn life until I fucking retire. Let's pretend that it's exciting. I'm going to do that by getting the single worst human being alive to take the desk out of my office. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, when a space is not working, he reboots it, taking everything out and starting over. He said, this is a space I recently rebooted for Tim, meaning Tim Armstrong, the CEO of AOL. The room had been a standard fluorescent lit office. Now the desk was gone, replaced by leather armchairs in a circle, and the walls were painted dark grey. Armstrong entered wearing a fleece, baggy jeans, and loafers. Shingy is short and slight, and Armstrong, who played lacrosse in college, towered over him. I don't give a fuck what he played no, in college. Who cares? That is the most irrelevant detail I, I played possibly WoW imagine. in
0: college. <laughs> <laughs> don't bring that up in my profile.
1: Do you like the scent? Shingy said, a diffuser release of fragrance. A
0: room should not have a scent. I'm. My ideal is. No we smells. can get into this into the next episode. <laughs> oh, we will. Uh, but yeah, my, I think, I feel like we've really kind of landed on the no smell is good smell
1: I, um, and this has nothing to do with how much weed I smoke yeah. Uh, I am a huge nut for filling the house with the smell of incense at all times Okay I absolutely love it Fascinating I go wild for it I love a good smell Really? Yeah, yeah. because you know how you like, you get smell blind to the same smells over and over Yeah So I'm mixing it up Got oh. lots of different incenses I like a scented candle, given the opportunity I like See, a... I'm closed off to new possibilities Yes that's the way I like it. That's true of you in nearly every single regard. The one minor change you've allowed to happen in your life is uh, you're about to have a child. Yes. And that's just a tiny little... I think it's
0: a sort of, yeah, basically a rounding error as far as... (laughs) You're going to have zero new things and you accidentally went up to one. 0.4, I feel. yeah.
1: Yeah. A diffuser-released fragrance called London, designed by Tom Dixon, into the air... Shingy's office features another of Dixon's scents, Orientalist,
0: mm, but Armstrong, <laughs> not sure about that one. Ah, oh, the racist scent.
1: Yeah. It smells vaguely ah. of like 1930s racism in here, that's strange. Uh, it's funny, Armstrong said, I thought it was the cleaning materials. The cleaning lady was in here last night and I'm like, I love the smell of this table. And she was like, um, okay. I think the cleaning lady was very right to do that. Yeah. I still need to put some sound in here, Shingy said.
0: Again, I prefer... I don't no, think a meeting no room sound. needs sound in it. No, no office space needs sound in it. No. It, it's annoying already. Yes. Just leave it be. Don't try and make them more pleasant either. Because no.
1: you're just encouraging people to spend more time in them. I'm sure Armstrong looked around. I have meetings here and people don't know where to sit, he said. Oh. <laughs> They'll figure it out, man, Shingy said. He took an Uber car uptown to IPG Media Brands, an advertising firm, where he was due to give a speech. I think some folks from Applebee's are going to be in the house, he said. I'm more of a caffeine-free, gluten-free, raw food sort of guy. But I am able to find something to like in every brand once I hear their story. So you're a psycho.
0: <sighs> no one has ever liked a brand. No. Oh, brand least- stories, brand identity.
1: It's... Those sort of words make me want to throw up. Horrible.
0: Absolutely horrible. I think
1: nothing makes me angrier now than just seeing ads.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are, you know... Oh, absolutely. We've we've somehow managed to, like, I don't see ads in my day-to-day life. So when I do see an ad, I go, this is repulsive. Why are you doing this to me? This is awful. I don't need anything.
1: No. Please stop. Fucking seeing TV ads makes me want to fucking hurl. Just like... Oh, it's so Everything about it It's so patronising So awful Horrible way to live He told the Applebee's people To make their brand uh, that To make their brand Quote Remarkable, reactive and relevant They have to tell stories In real time Everyone is talking about Solo Mo Social local mobile But they should be talking about Homo <laughs> Home slash mobile Cell phones used on the couch why do you think that terminology didn't take off? <laughs> this was in 2014. Homo was a slur back hey, then as can well. can we start
0: talking about homo, please? Hey, I feel
1: mean, like not enough people these days are talking about homo. <laughs> oh. How many apps does the average person have, Shingy asked the crowd 42, Justin Colavita, a media planner said yeah, cool, cool
0: joke, it's, the, it's that number It's, it's the, the nerd number, number from the thing, that I,
1: a property that I love But you're not allowed to talk about because people will ruin it for you right. Uh, That's right, Chingy said, 41 actually A colleague turned to Colavita and asked, how did you know that? I was just guessing, Colavita said, I must be a prophet And that is a small snippet into the life of David Shing, who, as I found out today, only left AOL,
0: which is now Verizon, I think, last year. Just think of how much money you're going to make in your entire life. And think of how much money Shingy made being hired at irrelevant AOL on its downslide, (sighs) like backsliding towards irrelevance. They still, like, managed to pay him... Possibly several millions of dollars, right? I would say absolutely yes. Yeah. That is heinously depressing. For him to go from place to place and turn officers into a zebra or something. Just to make the things that people were doing before unworkable.
1: Yeah. It's just such a... There are lots of reasons to be angry at capitalism. Uh, you know, most of them to do with how the poor are treated. Uh, but also, how just a very small handful of absolutely... Just the worst dipshits are hyper rewarded. Yeah. Because they're very willing to be like, I fucking
0: suck and you need that. And people go, Yes, I do. Just people born without the shame gland. Yeah. Um, I got two of them. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know life is very hard for you.
1: You got I the know, one it's... that Shingy didn't. I'm, I'm very ashamed of <laughs> they it. They switched your shame glands at the hospital. <laughs> So this one's going to uh, Did we already give him uh, No I guess not Alright In we go <laughs> oh, Well that concludes Episode 3 of the Theophiles Yeah I would say thank you but No that's fair <laughs> uh, What are the common themes Between those two stories You reckon Weird Style. hair Style Yep yeah. <laughs> Very similar fashion Very sensibilities Very uh, Both of them probably love mushrooms Am I right <laughs> There you go Mmm Yep. Oh, oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>